This is Marco Reus and you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 254 of The World Pods. I'm as always your host, Stefan Butzko, and we have a, I hope, brief show for you tonight, but we have a lot of things to discuss. Borussia Dortmund drew against Hertha Berlin, then drew in 90 minutes against Union Berlin, but nicked it in extra time, and then we have to preview, I guess, the uh, Bundesliga game against VfL Wolfsburg, the Wolves, and... The second leg against Atletico Madrid in Group A of the Champions League, which is a bit of a program, I admit. And here with me to dissect all that is the ever so wonderful Lars Polman. Hello, Lars. How are you doing? And I'm glad you're back on the show. I'm just... Was just about to say it's uh, absence makes uh, the heart grow fonder or something because I'm not usually getting this warm uh, a welcome from you, Stefan. Yeah, I, I had a mishap the last time I, I uh, introduced you, so I needed to make up to you. I don't remember, so it's so. all forgiven. All right. <laughs> very, very, very well. Is, is it also forgiven last uh, that uh, Dan Axel Zagadou um, fell into the back of uh, one Davy Zelke in the, what was it, 90th minute or so on Saturday? Uh, I don't think there's anything to forgive. Uh, A, he had an absolutely outrageous match for 89 minutes. Uh, the best possible match a centre-back can have, both in terms of defending and in, in his contribution going forward. So uh, I'm, I'm sure Dortmund wouldn't have been in a position to maybe win the game had uh, Zagadou not had a really outstanding game until that point. So... That's point A. Point B is he's 19. He's played every second of every minute for more than a month now uh, after basically not featuring for more than half a season. Uh, he's 19 years old, so mistakes are part of the game. And it's not necessarily his fault that, you know, his lack of experience shows up. And he's, as I said, played every second of every game for more than a month and that's the only real mistake I can remember so if anything that's probably a positive note yeah I'm not one to label a performance world class lightly but the first 89 minutes were impressive by by any standard I mean I've seen Matsumel play in the flesh uh, at his peak and um Dan Axel Zagadou, at, at times, there are flashes of, of brilliance. So I don't know if I want to say it was a world-class performance until then, but um, he was just bossing this game so, so much in, in a way I would have never imagined possible. Just also the way he he moves past opponents with ease and his positioning, the way he intercepts passes. Like, there's... It was... Just a way around the performance. So to me, if we talk about this game, that was sort of the, the standout thing. Um, I guess the next talking point a little bit is, uh, that Mario Götze played really well last. 
yes, he did for the second game running. Uh, it's really surprising to me, especially against Benfica, which I guess you guys have already talked about. But to me, he didn't look like he would ever work out as a striker in Navarre, but the the Swiss madman has done it again. I mean, it, it's really working quite well, uh, especially in his partnership with Marco Reus. They are basically playing 4-4-2 most of the time, even though on paper it's 4-2-3-1. And, you know, it's it's the, the technical ability of Götze is really shining through in that role. Uh, he's playing all those little layoffs, making his little movements. He's still not the, the kind of player he was a few years ago in terms of uh, short area quickness and overall athleticism. But, I mean... Uh, his impact is, can't be denied in these two games. He started as striker, and it's it's nice to see that all is not lost when Paco Alcázar can play. Yeah, that's very true. Um, what do you mean by Benfica, though? Uh, Atletico. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm ah, not okay. sure how I got that wrong. Maybe it's because Nicolas Gaetan moved to Atletico four years ago. <laughs> I think. Yeah, that that must be it. A anyway. Um, Sancho bagging a brace and uh, if it weren't for the VAR replay it probably would have been a hat-trick. Royce was marginally offside. I don't know. The, on the replay on, on TV it looked to me that it was maybe a toe but uh, in, in Cologne I guess they have these calibrated lines. Um, overall um, what, do you, what do you make of this performance against a Hertha team that in my book is very strong this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, Hertha have beaten Gladbach and Bayern, drawn against Dortmund, lost against Bremen of the, the top teams they've faced so far, not counting, obviously, Schalke and Leverkusen for very apparent reasons. Um, so it's a strong side, and especially, I think, playing them after Atletico uh, was quite a, kind of a, a tough draw for Dortmund. I call it the shithouse gauntlet. Uh, on Twitter, because it, <laughs> wow. I mean, Atletico is such a such an uncomfortable side to play against, and even though the scoreline was four nil, it really was quite a hard game for most of the uh, the ninety minutes. Uh, so playing them and then turning around to face Hertha, who are kind of a poor man's Atletico in many or in some ways, uh, and and the way Hertha went into this game was clearly trying to impress Dortmund physically and and trying to take their will away, if you like. So it was a, a an unfortunate scheduling, if you like. So that being said, I I was very pleased with the performance, I would say, and I did say uh, that it was probably a better game than some wins this season. For example, the Leverkusen, Frankfurt and Augsburg matches, which were all exciting in, in, in some stretches, but not nearly as dominant as Dortmund were for a good 25 or 30 minute stretch in the second half, which is when they played some of the best football we've seen from them in a long time. And that includes this season, which by and large has been very successful so far. So I wasn't uh, overly worried with them dropping points against Hertha because as, as we've talked about briefly just now, Hertha are pretty good. And, you know, the, the circumstances weren't in Dortmund's favor and, Quite frankly, they, they could have and should have won the game still uh, with the chances Rafael Guerrero, Ashraf Hakimi and Jakob Brunlasen missed. Yeah, certainly uh, it, it felt like that uh, two of the uh, expected goals overachievers had a battle and Hayata prevailed in, in that 
department. Um, certainly frustrating for Dortmund to drop points because it would have been a deserved win, uh, very much so in my book. But I guess that's also just part of them being a little bit inexperienced at times. And uh, yeah, this happens. But uh, the, the good news, as you just said, is that they played really well and they, uh, yeah, the, the result wasn't entirely in their favor. But I think you can still take a lot of uh, encouragement from that performance. Um, now, briefly, because it's been a topic um, and I think we should address it. Um, there was obviously a lot of turmoil going on between uh, Hertha's away fans, uh, more so their ultras and the Dortmund police in the first half and that was um, because Dortmund police decided um, to take away a banner from Hertha who had um, a choreo as everyone probably has seen and that was obviously an allowed choreo but at some point the police thought hey we can take this banner away which they would probably use to uh, to to uh, hide their faces and then have more pyrotechnics lit so, um, yeah, there was this weird tug of war last. Um, and then we saw some pretty ugly scenes. I don't know if you've seen the videos on Twitter. Yeah, the, the, the interesting thing to me is that German TV decided not to show it at all. I mean, the first, because I obviously watched the game then and wrote my reports, whatever news. So the first time I saw what actually went on was like, three four hours after the game so I, I didn't have that immediate reaction uh, as many others uh, and, and I'm sure you were being in the stadium probably had um, and that's also partly why I'm not going to get go too far into it just because I didn't really see everything that was going on and unlike many other people I'm not an expert in police work in extreme situations and I'm not going to uh, pretend to be one so I'm usually of the opinion that the authorities are better equipped to handle these things than I am. So un until it's proven that they went absolutely overboard, uh, I'm not going to argue their uh, reaction or whatever. Yeah, that's fair enough, Lars. Um, I, I just wanted to mention it briefly. So um, there are a lot of uh, critics on, on both sides. The so one says, well, the police went overboard, as you just said, and basically provoked uh, the ultras to uh, behave like absolute idiots. Um, I think that's... Uh, uh, maybe maybe fair that the police uh, should have been smarter about it and not provoked anything but I also think if uh, the police uh, says we need to take this banner away... Uh, Otherwise, something happens that we don't want, then uh, that's uh, well in their jurisdiction and people should then not fight them and uh, come out and hit them with flagpoles. And uh, pepper spray was used, which is unfortunate because there are a lot of fans standing around uh, that are um, certainly just bystanders in, in that scenario. But um, yeah, just the be behavior by the fans certainly... Uh, by the Hatter of fans or ultras or whatever these people are, um, was much, much more concerning to me and the way they celebrated themselves with, uh, very violent acts. Um, yeah, just looks really, really stupid and immature to me. And that's all I have to say. And we have to wait, uh, yeah, what happens 
by the German FA or the German Football League or whoever handles these matters and what will come of it. Um, I don't know. Hertha have already shown the reaction set. Hertha fans will be banned to bring any fan utensils to the next away game to Dortmund. Oh, actually, uh, right, Hertha came out today as we are recording this on Thursday evening. Uh, Hertha came out. Uh, they, I mean, if, before every game, there's a security talk with, you know, local authorities, police and whatnot. And they've decided actually that. Uh, both home and away fans for the foreseeable future in Berlin games, so in the Olympiastadion, are banned from uh, showing any banners, any uh, signs, any what we call Doppelhalter in Germany, which are these giant flags, and they will uh, intensify security checks when people enter the stadium. So it's it's quite a harsh response, which also shows that they aren't quite sure how to handle their own fans, I guess, because uh, obviously this is very much uh, what's the the English word for Kollektivstrafe? Uh, collective punishment. Yeah, I, I, I uh-huh. guess. I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a more precise term, but I guess everybody knows what we're talking about. So uh, just overall uh, it's hard to understand for me how watching football and being really passionate about a club can turn into something like this but maybe you have to be cut out for the the ultra life and i'm certainly not <laughs> neither am i yeah michael pritz uh, the hatter uh, what is he sporting director present something, C- like that. something. yeah whatever uh Let's just say manager. <laughs> um, he uh, was really upset with the whole thing. And uh, yeah, I guess that's all that we can say about it is that uh, sometimes football fans behave like absolute tools and uh, condemn violence, especially that's if it's so nonsensical. Anyway, let's move on. Um, it was the Berliner Woche. Uh, Borussia Dortmund TV made Maximilian Philipp, who was born and raised in Berlin, eat two types of currywurst uh, to determine which is better, either the one from the Ruhr area or the one from Berlin. He ended up eating both. So I guess that's a draw. And uh, another draw between Dortmund and Union Berlin after 90 minutes, then a penalty and... Uh, yeah, Dortmund just escaped the penalty shootout after extra time. Lars Lucien Favre, I guess, made made the very much right choice to rotate as much as possible. Um, what are your takeaways from that performance? Uh, I think the lack of takeaways should be our goal here just because, as you said, there was absolute max rotation with only three defenders and Mahmoud, uh, Mahmoud Dahoud staying in the team and Dahoud hadn't even started the uh, Hertha match, if I'm not mistaken, because Delaney picked up a knock to his foot. So uh, seven new players, uh, some of them hadn't played in months. Uh, Ulmer Toprak had played one minute against Hertha. Marvin Hitz, the second goalkeeper, hadn't played all season. Marius Wolf injured since the start of October. Weigel hadn't played much. Kagawa, we haven't seen him at all for weeks. So naturally, they all lacked uh, automatism, as you would say. Uh, they were disjointed for much of the game. And to me, really, 
the story of the game, if you like, uh, is that Union arguably had the better chances throughout the 120 minutes. And even though Marvin Hitz looked kind of awkward for both goals, or certainly for the second one where he just kind of threw the ball away for some strange reason uh, two minutes from time. Uh, Sebastian Wessling, who is riding for the Watts, was absolutely li livid with that throw. Just because, uh, you know, like most journalists, everyone had hoped this ordeal would be over after 19 minutes and you wouldn't have to sit on your ass there for another half hour. Yeah, it, it wasn't and great uh, watching it from home either. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's baffling sometimes. How can a goalkeeper with so much Bundesliga experience not read an absolute mismatch between Rafael Guerrero and literally everyone um, or anyone? Um I think it, it 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 was uh Abdelawi or, or someone so very very tall guy um in that situation yeah just just stupid Marco Royce even <laughs> basically said that in the mix zone after the game that uh, these mistakes can happen but uh, one should be smarter <laughs> so yeah there's that I don't know um there has been some discussion about um Jaden Sancho upstaging Christian Pulisic last and uh, Pulisic yesterday certainly was out there balling quite well. He has a goal and assist and won the penalty. So he had a hand in Dortmund's win. What do you make of his performance and the uh, discussion between Mr. Sancho and Mr. Pulisic? Well, I would say it's uh, kind of unfair because Pulisic has missed... Uh, sometime this season uh, in which Sancho has really taken off, but so did the entire team. So you never really know what's cause, was it, what's effect. Uh, I mean, Sancho has certainly been incredibly impressive over the last six weeks or so. And I really, I mean, I, I hype him all the time and I think he's going to be an absolute superstar. I said it on this show before, but I think... Uh, Pulisic is kind of flowing under the radar at the moment a little bit and, and, and it's hard for me to really understand why because uh, he's still a 20-year-old playing a lot of decisive minutes and being in involved in a lot of good things that come off Dortmund's attack, especially yesterday with him and Maximilian Philipp being the only semi-regular starters uh, playing in front of the back six, if you like. Uh, I mean, the attacking owners really fell on him and I would say he delivered for the most part being involved in all three goals and, you know, generally being one of the few guys to actually try to do something in the final third because usually the ball at some point fell to Kagawa who was kind of slow to react most of the time and or to uh, Marius Wolf who I think we all still kind of shake our heads what expect, especially or what necessarily uh, Lucien Favre saw in him to start him at the start of the season and really what Dortmund saw in him that triggered their buying him, especially with the emergence of Jakub Unlasen. I'm wondering whether Dortmund would like a do-over on that one. Yeah, it's a good question, Lars. Uh, my best bet is still on him ending up as a, a somewhat uh, formidable right-back, but... Uh, That quest continues for another time, even though I think he played for a couple of minutes as, as left back in, in, in that game. 
Um, yeah, for Dortmund, pretty much unlucky that uh, they had another injury at center back. Abdul Diallo, as he said, coming off after 15 minutes. Umar Toprak uh, looked very much shot. Uh, Hakimi, I think, in the last half hour did maybe one sprint, if at all. He was uh, very shot. And uh, Roy said that uh, Zagadou played basically on one leg for most of the game. I think he, he twisted his ankle. I didn't see the replay last, but you said uh, something along these lines. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it really looked quite bad. I, I didn't think he would be able to continue after halftime. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, guessing, not reporting or anything, obviously, that he might have gotten uh, like a painkiller shot or maybe just they, they retaped his ankle really tightly. But usually with that go to twist, uh, if it's only about pain tolerance, then he was really lucky because that could have easily been, uh, you know, a sprained ankle in a three, four week absence. So which is something <laughs> Dortmund absolutely could not uh, afford, even with Manuel Akanji coming back from his injury a bit sooner than expected, as it seems. Yeah, I can actually uh, say that uh, fr from a club source, uh, source, <laughs> not source, <laughs> that told me yesterday that Akanji is very much expected to play on uh, Saturday against Wolfsburg. And I think with that, we can move on and uh, actually talk about the jigsaw puzzle, puzzle at the back line. Um, so since Ömer Toprak got injured very early on in the season and Favre being reluctant on uh, playing... Zagadou, so to rotate as much as possible, Dortmund now actually have themselves in a bit of a pickle. I think that uh, players like Pischek and Schmelzer pick up injuries is uh, not that unexpected, and I assume that both will still be out for Saturday. So how and who do you think Dortmund will set up against the Wolves? Yeah, uh, it's quite tough. I mean, Ömer Toprak had a muscular injury and played 120 minutes after 60 uh, of which he kind of looked dead in the water to me. And that's when he started to really make mistakes. He wasn't uh, playing particularly well uh, to begin with, but certainly his performance deteriorated as the game went on. So that's, I, I guess, if you could, you would not start him again, but you have to because there's no other options. Uh, Hakimi has to start. Zagadou, if his ankle holds up, uh, unless uh, Akanji can play, which would then open up the question of uh, Akanji maybe playing at right back just so uh, Hakimi pl can play on the left. Even though we've seen uh, Akanji last season under Peter Stöger play on the left and play pretty well, but then again, that's uh, someone coming off an injury. Do you want to uh, expose him to the higher physical demands of fullback play, or do you want to keep him at center half? I mean, there are so many open questions. I wouldn't be surprised necessarily to see Rafael Guerrero at left back, which did not work too well against Union. But, you know, that was Union. Uh, Wolfsburg, not necessarily the most talented side in the Bundesliga, but certainly a level above Union. So... I'm really interested to see what Farfu comes up with uh, because he's got basically no options that, that he's going to be particularly comfortable with, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I don't have any solution up my sleeve right now either. It's uh, 
It's really tough, especially considering Dortmund will play against Bayern soon and Atletico, so it's not like they, uh, yeah, w would want to risk a lot of players, but, uh, you know, you have to find, find some solution. I just don't know what it's going to be. Jeremy Tolian was back in training now after an injury, but I don't know if he's actually a valid option. Can't tell. So, um, Yeah, let's talk about Wolfsburg for a sec, Klaus. Um, they are in 10th now. They had uh, what looked to be a strong start with the wins against Schalke and Leverkusen, but these have been put into perspective. And after being in second place after uh, match day two under Bruno Labbadia, they have plummeted back to 10th. And uh, they've recently won 3-0 against Düsseldorf. Um I don't know if they made life tough for Bayern in, in that 3-1 loss because I haven't seen it, to be honest. But um, an away game to Wolfsburg, do you think is going to be a really tough test for Dortmund? On the one hand, they've been in pretty good form, at least their A-team. On the other hand, they have also been quite leaky at defense. What do you make of this? Is this like a must-win game for Dortmund or do you think the Wolves will be a stumbling stone? Well, ahead of the season, I wouldn't have called any away game uh, outside of maybe Nuremberg and Düsseldorf uh, a must-win game. But going by the form, the A-team, let's call them that, uh, have shown this season, I think you would be quite disappointed with them not coming away with three points from Lower Saxony. Uh, I mean, Wolfsburg, I haven't seen much of them all season, basically only when they were in the simulcast. Uh, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure how they are setting up at the moment, but every time I read about them and, and the, the two or three Wolfsburg people on Twitter that exist, uh, they, they all complain about the lack of creativity, about their attacking play being predicated basically on random chance, which, you know, against Dortmund might work, especially against the reshuffled backline, but overall going by the, the talent level in the two teams, unless Dortmund completely overlook Wolfsburg with, you know, uh, the possibility of clinching first place in the Champions League and obviously Bayern coming up. that That's a game they should be able to win, but, uh, you know, reshuffled backline, uh, scheduled congestion over the last few weeks, maybe one or two injuries or, or knocks during the game that can, can, can change things relatively quickly, especially... Now in this this time of the year, I think autumn is really where where champions are made, even though nobody's giving out any trophies just yet. No, it's 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 very true. And uh, to pick up on what you said about uh, Wolfsburg's lack of creativity, I mean, if you look at the uh, team that beat uh, Düsseldorf three you know, um their defensive midfield consists of Yannick Gerhardt and uh, Maximilian Arnold, who are not. Uh, famous for their creativity and Renato Steffen and uh, Josep Brekolo on the wings um, are also not uh, great playmaking types of players. They are a bit like Jakub Blaszczykowski players that can run a lot, that have a really good work ethos and run into space well, but it's not like they create plays with their one-on-ones. And uh, I'm I'm uh, really interested to see how Wout Weghorst will play uh, the uh, 26-year-old Dutch striker for Wolfsburg, um, who is teaming up with uh, our good old friend Daniel Ginczek. Um, that's 
to me at least a prolific striking dude, but I haven't really seen much of them yet. So I personally just wonder how they will do and what Wolfsburg, yeah, can do against Dortmund. But as you said, on paper it should be an easy win, but right now it doesn't take a lot of things to change uh, for Dortmund to uh, derail a little bit. Um, so since I don't have too many things to say on, on Wolfsburg right now and I don't have uh, any guests to preview this, um, should we just move on to predictions? Yeah, I mean, nobody's expecting uh, honest, good, hardworking people like us to uh, waste their time watching Wolfsburg matches, I hope. So uh, let's not pretend that we know much about the team. So I'm going with a 2-1 away win for Dortmund. All right. Yeah, I'm. I, I think it's it's going to be another drop of points for Dortmund. I think it's going to be a one-one draw for them. And uh, yeah, then of course Dortmund travel to the Spanish capital for that uh, rematch against Atletico. Um, Lars, I have to be frank. I think Dortmund should uh, just put their focus on the game that's after that that's the Bayern game um because I don't think they're gonna lose by four goals again so they should have the direct comparison in the back one way or another and Atletico will probably come out for revenge so I don't know I, I think right now Dortmund should put the focus a little bit more on the Bundesliga and um, yeah rotate a little bit, maybe not as much as they did against uh, Union Berlin, but I uh, also wouldn't put too much of a priority uh, priority on that game. Uh, how do you think Favre will actually approach it? And do you agree with me in my approach? Yeah, partly. I mean, Atletico, while a very impressive side uh, in in most regards, I don't. They don't strike me as a team that that comes out all guns blazing and going for. Uh, you know the the five mar five goal margin to turn the direct head or the head to head around. So I'm assuming Atletico will do what Atletico does, and that's probably go for uh, a tight home win. Or you know they they might be going for something else, but that's usually what they come up with. So I'm not sure you need to play the absolute A team, but. I'm also pretty sure that that's the kind of game most players want to play. I mean, it's uh, Atletico away, one of the top five or six teams in the Champions League over the last decade, I, I think we can safely say. So I'm not sure how many of the A-listers really are, would, would be happy with uh, a spot on the bench uh, in that game. So... Uh, I, I I would go for some changes. Uh, for example, Paco Alcácer shouldn't start, uh, in my opinion, because you probably need him against Bayern. Uh, Reus and Witzel are the two two big names, obviously, and then uh, the rest basically has been rotated either by choice or by default now with uh, the wingers, uh, the position next to Witzel, and the, the entirety of defense outside of uh, Hakimi has basically not played throughout the season just because of all the injuries. So uh, 
I, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, a, a slight rotation here and there, but certainly nothing to the extent of the Union match, uh, even discounting, you know, Marvin Hitz playing. But I, I can't see, for example, Marius Wolf getting the start there uh, or, or Kagawa making an appearance. Um, that, that would surprise me just because it's still the Champions League. It's the the hallmark of, of European football. It's where everybody wants to play. It's where people are watching you. So it's not like you can just completely throw a game there, even though uh, with Monaco and Brugge playing each other, there's a good chance Dortmund get through to the next round, even with a defeat uh, at the Wanda Metropolitano. Yeah, if if I want to make one point, uh, you know, for Dortmund's international perception, it might also not be too bad to reaffirm their 4 0 statement win in in some form so if they're just gonna crash and burn and and lose three nil in atletico everyone will just turn away and say oh well that was just a freak result i guess so you know dortmund uh, would you know it, it would help them in in the international perception i guess if they can reaffirm that in in one way or another maybe a draw will be enough um but yeah it's it's not like they should completely give this away and uh, if you take something away from Madrid it certainly only will help your confidence uh, playing against Bayern you don't want to take the first L of the season uh, heading into the uh, big game so um, yeah there's that last I think we can knock it on the head uh, predictions please for the Champions League away match um, 1-0 to Atletico all right, I'm going to say 2-1 to Atletico. And uh, yeah, that's been a really brief episode, but uh, sometimes has to be done that way. Um, Lars, how can people reach out to you on the internet and find your work? They can follow me on Twitter at Lars Polman and, you know, go with whatever links I sent there. Very nice. Thanks again for joining me. And of course, everyone out there, thanks again for listening. And don't forget to uh, mail in your predictions to our Twitter at Yellowworldpod or Facebook page. And uh, make sure you uh, not only post a prediction, but also which game it's for. <laughs> I think that's key. So uh, please do that. You can find me on Twitter at Stefan Butzko and read my stuff on ESPNFC. And um, yeah. That's pretty much it for this week. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you want to contribute financially, go on patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And with that, until next week, goodbye.